0: Welcome to It's All Connected, a Marvel Studios podcast brought to you by MCUExchange.com. It's all connected. Everything. So I would start the show out this week by saying we have failed this podcast, but I think then people would be thinking they're listening to another podcast and not a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, but we intended to cover Jessica Jones in the off week, and just due to the holiday and everything else, we ended up pushing. So uh, we're recording uh, on the first, right on top of uh, the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Uh, so... our best intentions were we will be a little bit behind, but I think we'll be able to crank out a uh Agents of Shield episode out here pretty quick. Um, but given the big news that happened, it's probably f- it's probably good fortune that we pushed because uh I was not expecting to get a Civil War trailer from Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans on the Jimmy Kimmel show.
1: Yeah. That was that was a great little surprise that we got there.
2: Yeah. Um uh... <laughs> Very welcome. I I did not think they would be dropping that so close to the premiere of Jessica Jones. And,
0: and it's funny because I was watch. So I, I usually stay up and watch that stuff. You know when they Kimmel has, uh, you know the any of those guys on. I, I usually and it was the same night that Kristen Ritter was on was on Kimmel as well. I really thought you know just given the work that they've done lately with like Omaze and and you know like like what what the Star Wars stuff did with like Force for Change and. Even the stuff that Downey Jr. did, uh, you know, with, I guess, Age of Ultron, they did a big charity thing. I really thought it was going to be to announce some sort of charity thing that they were going to do for, like, win tickets to the premiere of, of Civil War or something like that. Uh, I, and and then when they first announced the poster, I was like, well, that's kind of anticlimactic. Like, have these guys come all the way out here to announce a one-sheet. Uh, and then Evans, yeah. Evans announced the the trailer, and I was like... It's like, I was blown away. I mean, I watched it like six times, like right after right after it was done. But
2: yeah, same.
1: Yeah. You, you know, I wasn't expecting the, the trailer, but I guess I kind of should have been because I know last year, I mean, when you, when you drop a trailer like that, it sort of dominates the weekend because you're not getting any news that holiday weekend. Um, and I know last year, uh, Jurassic World uh, dropped their trailer. Uh, I think on black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving or, or maybe even on Thanksgiving, I'm not sure. Um, and I think star Wars dropped uh, a little teaser as well. Like that, the first 32nd teaser yeah. during that weekend. Um, so, I mean, it's a good time to drop a big trailer for a highly anticipated movie, Yeah, but Everyone's you know, glued usually to
2: their TVs.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I mean, usually now we get like three or four teasers for the trailer you know, yes. like tune into Jimmy yes. Kimmel for, for – and now a sneak peek of the trailer. Yeah. And so the fact that we didn't get any of that, I was kind of expecting to get the poster and like the announcement of a date when the trailer would drop on on Kimmel. So I was really surprised uh, when, when Evan said that he had the trailer. I was expecting like a 20-second teaser and then full trailer drops on Friday or something like that.
0: Because they even made a point of saying like this – You know, we even talked about it last episode Uh, you know, the the trailer for Civil War, the trailer for Apocalypse and then the trailer for I think it was Batman Superman are pretty much going to be attached to Star Wars or at least, uh, you know, that's that's when they're going to be a big push for them. So, uh, yeah, this kind of came out of the blue. I was I was really not expecting it. But uh...
2: yeah, I thought they would maybe, you know, I figured it would come online maybe a little bit before Star Wars, but I figured we'd still have at least two weeks to wait. Especially because we were saying yeah. Jessica Jones, you think they would sort of let that, I mean, that had just dropped the week before. Um, so that, that definitely was sort of surprising that they wouldn't at least wait like another week or something. But I guess they just, uh, like you're saying, wanted to take advantage of that holiday because everybody's, you know, going to be watching TV or just be on their computers because they're off or they're with family and things like that. So, you know, sort of like a captive audience. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, you mentioned uh, Batman versus Superman, also with Star Wars, and I don't know who it is, but somebody at Kimmel's staff deserves a promotion because they got the civil—they got to drop the Civil War trailer, and uh, it, it's December first when we're recording this. Tomorrow on the second, they're dropping a new Batman vs. Superman trailer as well. So yeah. I just thought that was kind of kind of a big get for Kimmel.
0: Yeah, oh, they always wow. seem the, lately. I don't know whether it's intentional or not. They always seem to. One up, uh, poor Batman versus Superman. It's like, you know, they the Batman versus Superman tried to take that slot on the release, and then they announced Civil War, and then Batman versus Superman moves. Now the trailer gets dropped before. Uh, well, I mean, the, Batman versus Superman has had a couple of trailers at this point, but but uh, I think a lot of people are looking yeah. forward to the newest one because I think everybody feels like we're gonna really get a lot of meat out of this this last trailer. Yeah, we yeah. haven't really We've
2: gotten like a story yet. Yeah like any sort of plot stuff. Yes. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if we're going to like talk about the trailer at all, but um, I do just want to throw in how amazing it was to see Black Panther for the first time in live action.
0: Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Yes.
2: I mean, his suit looks incredible. I, I can't wait to, I mean, I've looked at the people have made a GIF out of, you know, it's the shot of him and then him kicking uh winter soldier in the face. <laughs> um, yeah. And just the glimpse <laughs> of it just that was a mean, good it looks and, the, and the shot
1: of him running away.
2: Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. They're being I think he's being chased by Cap at one point, yeah. too. I think and I think
1: he's chasing Bucky
2: and Cap is chasing him. Oh, yeah. it's so I mean, I've I've watched it so many times and seen so many breakdowns and I still think there's things I miss, which is exciting and yeah. I think half the cast wasn't even shown in it, so that's it's pretty crazy what's what's left to sort of be examined in that film. But um, I, I mean, it's already some of my favorite MCU characters. And um, yeah, I just, it's it's sort of hard to believe how, uh, how crazy it is and, and what all is going to be involved in this film when it hits theaters.
1: Yeah, I also... I know that a lot of people, when they announced that it was Civil War, a lot of people were worried that it would basically be Avengers 2 or or really just Avengers 3 with Captain America's name put on. But I loved how much it felt like a Captain America sequel. It felt like a a follow-up to Winter Soldier, not a follow-up to
0: Age of Ultron.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to have a lot of these characters, but I think, uh, that can still be true to like a cap story because he's in this world, he's in this Avengers world. So it's, it's not unusual that even on his solo outing, you would have interactions with all these characters and, and, you know, the, the story stems from like his belief system that was sort of developed in winter Soldier, So it makes sense that that would have ramifications throughout the rest of like the MCU. And, uh, You know, so I think it'll, you know, focus on him and focus on the rest of the universe, but, you know, also showing how important he is, but then also exploring his relationship with like Bucky and Falcon, uh, which is really cool.
0: Yeah. 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 It was, it's funny because I think the early stuff we saw in Black Panther was like really far away stunt shots. So the costume looked a little off, which at the time when I saw that, I was like, well, this this is a stunt driven shot, so more than likely, maybe they'll do some CG enhancement. Maybe they'll. This is just a, a wide shot, so you know it, you're not going to see the detail uh, or in, t- intention to see the detail. So, seeing that trailer and just kind of watching the stills, it was really cool to see that the costume is a lot more uh, form fitting. It's a lot sleeker. It's it's you know it it doesn't look uh, it it just it looks really good. I mean, even the helmet the helmet looks good. So I'm I'm uh yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty excited. I mean, seeing Thunderbolt Ross, I mean that was that was really cool, and kind of uh, yeah. I mean they kind of laid out the plot uh for it, which you know which
2: which is yeah fine. yeah. I mean it, it definitely gives you a sense of what it's going to be about.
0: And, and I think for this kind of movie, you almost have to because I think the general public that doesn't know the story and know the ins and outs of it are just like, well, why would they be fighting? Like that doesn't make any sense. Right. And so. You yeah know, you, you kind of have to plant that seed in the trailer. Yeah, and I yeah, think if they if did they a
2: good
1: had, job if, of that. Yeah, if, if they'd gone the uh the Batman versus Superman route with the, they did in the first trailer and just shown the action shots of of uh Tony and and Steve fighting, it wouldn't have made sense because we know these characters and it it would seem out of character. So, yeah, yeah they they had to at least give some sort of sense of
2: why. Yeah, it is pretty crazy, though. I don't I don't know that I've honestly even put this sort of together, but that, you know, within a few months of each other next year, we're getting, you know, the two of the, you know, biggest Marvel characters and two of the biggest DC characters, uh, you know, fighting each other in a movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
2: Which is which is pretty wild. I mean, it's crazy how that sort of stuff like thematically just seems to like happen at the same time. But. Yeah,
0: it's funny because it, even in the comics, it's the same way. You know, Marvel do something and then DC does something, and DC does something and then Marvel does it. And it, it, you know, they always accuse. You know, there's always fanboys that accuse one or the other of copying. And I, I don't know, sometimes right. it's, which it's, is
2: like impossible. I feel like yeah. the movie production schedules, like everything that has to happen, like no one, no one could plan that. You know? Yeah
0: sometimes just, you know, I don't know if you would zeitgeist or, you know, whatever, you know, just like, yeah, it just happens to be the way things are moving and everybody's just kind of in sync.
2: Yeah. But, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's an exciting time for, you know, us as fans of these sorts of things. Um, obviously, you know, we love the MCU, but, you know, just to see any of these, like sort of Titans of the comic world, like, You know, I mean, so many years ago, it'd be one thing to see a movie about one of these characters. But to have, you know, even in Batman versus Superman, we're going to have, you know, at least three big DC characters with Wonder Woman. So both of these movies, we're seeing these huge, you know, icons like all appearing together in a big live action film that, you know, hopefully also has really great writing and directing. I mean, it's just it's it's like a golden age, you know, No, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Indeed, so yeah, I was I was super happy with it. Uh, I I'm curious to see, uh, you know, if uh, what what else we get. I mean, because this is the first trailer, and you know, as we know, there they'll, they'll probably be at least one more. Uh, but I I imagine it's probably going to be probably in March or April before we get that. So, but yeah, yeah. this was yeah. good. This was this wasn't even a teaser. You know, this was like a full two and a half minute trailer. So yeah,
2: it's kind of crazy. We never got like the traditional like. It's hard to tell though nowadays. It seems like teasers and trailers—they've all sort of like morphed into one thing, and there's like no, no way of doing it. But yeah, it it was definitely a lot more than I thought we would we would get from the first look. Yeah, you know? I mean,
0: normally you get like a minute, minute and a half, and they'll throw right. it out there, and then and then you get the full two and a half, 245 you know, type trailer. So that was cool. They just decided, you know what, we we held back a little bit. But, uh, but we threw it all out there. And again, I think, I think the message is what was important and it's kind of hard to throw all that in there in a, in a minute spot, you know, right. Right.
2: And I think it's like what you said, where it would have been hard to just do like a quick minute thing where just they're fighting. And then it says, you know, the title and, you know, most audience would have been like, wait, why are they Mm -hmm. doing that? So it's just like, well, let's go ahead and just get the story out there or else this won't make any sense. Agreed. Uh,
0: but other than that, there's really not, I mean, unless I'm missing something, you guys, tell, there really hasn't been any other news. I mean, you know, it's it's kind of, uh, you know, part of it's the holidays, I'm sure, you know, PR stuff and everything else is kind of on a bit of a break. Um, but we haven't really, you know, we got I think a little more segment. Oh, there, there is one bit. Um, yeah, I was gonna say, should we talk about the Age yeah, of Carter y- news? Yeah, this is like, you know, do 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 breaking news. Um, Doug, you brought this up right before uh, we started recording, so I will let you. I will let you take it away, sir.
1: Sure. So I actually, I'll do a little plug here. I actually just saw it on MCU Exchange. Um, they ha- published a press release from, you know, they they got it from ABC's press site. Um, that says, uh, the agent Carter premiere, which was scheduled for January 5th due to scheduling of the state of the union address has been pushed back two weeks. So, uh, agent Carter season one is now, or sorry, agent Carter season two is now premiering on January 19th. Uh, and that gives us between tonight, which is the mid season finale of agents of shield and, uh, and, and that it gives us five weeks of no new Marvel content.
2: Is tonight the finale? Are they Tonight, yeah, it... tonight
1: is the mid-season
2: finale. Oh, wow, because this is episode 9, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I know that in, in earlier seasons we got to... Uh...
2: I I think episode 9 tonight is closure, and then isn't next week Maveth? Episode 10?
1: Oh, you know what? I'm completely wrong. Or are they wrong.
2: doing a double... No, nope, yeah,
1: I'm I'm yeah. completely wrong. Yeah, t- next week is the episode of the finale. Okay. So, between <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. No, no, it's all
2: right. I, I, I got a, that totally wrong and had a heart palpitation there. Yeah, sorry if I freaked <laughs> in listeners out there with
1: getting my facts completely wrong. Um Uh so okay, so between next week and and January 19th there are 5 weeks of no new Marvel content.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's a bit it's it's definitely a little bit of a uh bummer just because I mean, that's still pretty soon, and, and I'm grateful we get everything back so soon, but it was sort of exciting to think that, you know, Shield would end, and then it would basically be the holidays, and then by the time the holidays were over, we'd already be into Agent Carter starting to lead us into the rest of the uh, spring TV season, But um, which I, we still will be, but just a couple weeks later.
0: Yeah, one of the things we are speculating is, will we? we knew there were going to be a two-hour premiere for agent Carter, but I wonder if to make up the time, if there was, I know last time, I think there was an off week, um, if for one of the weeks and then, uh, and then they picked it back up. So I wonder if maybe we'll get a two hour premiere, a two hour finale, and then maybe like a two hour in between, or if they decide they, they just don't skip whatever week they skipped last time, uh, that, you know, that'll kind of make up the time because otherwise it's going to push. It, Cause I, I think we went, with no weeks off between agent Carter and season and and the back half of season three for agents of shield. So if if that's the case, they'll need to make up some time and and it could be, maybe they just make up the time on the agents of shield side, you know, maybe they push everything back, but we get a two hour finale or they bring back agents of shield with a two hour premiere or something like that. But
2: uh, yeah, I definitely think we'll probably see, you know, either the beginning or the end of shield doubling up. Because I don't think they're there's no way they're gonna want to push it, you know they'll probably already end early May, right? I doubt yeah. they would want to push it two two weeks later though. I mean, who knows? I it's it's tough to say. I I feel like those sort of premiere and end dates feel pretty arbitrary uh, nowadays. I don't really know how they they decide, you know when you know all these shows seem to end roughly around the same time, so. Yeah. I guess there in theory isn't really any harm in it extending longer into the summer.
0: Yeah, I mean the only so looking at just IMDb, they have episode 18 of of Agents of Shield season 3 being on April 26th, which means the last four episodes would all be in May. So Right. You know, again, so whether
2: and all following Civil War. Yeah. Well, and that's sort of the tough thing because we don't know what they've written so far obviously they've they probably started filming and writing some of shield but presumably you know whatever they have to end at a certain time because they have to have their storyline match up with civil war yeah so unless they haven't written that yet and they've got some wiggle room they might have to you know they might have to end at the exact same time that they were planning on meaning they the only real thing they could do was, you know, maybe double up the finale.
1: Well, yeah. Season two, I'm looking at, uh, season two Wikipedia. And I'm reminded that season two did have a two hour finale.
2: Okay. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It, did. Right. it was that's a two parter. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. It was a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and so the, and it, it, the, that two parter aired on May 12th. So if, okay. yeah, th- you know, if it if it does get picked, and oh, and the second half of the show started on March third. So if if it doesn't get picked back up till, uh, or if, if if it doesn't hit uh, episode eighteen until mid-April, it's it's pushing it, but not by more than a week or so.
2: Yeah, I think doubling the premieres is probably the safest bet, and and then that's sort of a big event thing, especially if they, you know, one week they have a. Two episode finale for Agent Carter, and then the next week you get a two episode premiere of Shield. That's that's a nice chunk of uh, television right there, back to back.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah. So we'll see. So it'll be interesting to see how they how they recover from this and how they they shift stuff around. So it'll be
2: interesting. Uh, I mean,
1: I think since TV schedules are always so subject to change, I'm sure yeah. they have. I'm sure they have a plan built in.
2: Yeah, because yeah, this stuff happens all the time where things get preempted, and, and it's not like, you know, the State of the Union doesn't happen every year, so I'm sure they have...
0: No, it does. Yeah, once a year, yeah.
2: Yeah, so I'm sure... Well, that's what I mean. I'm saying it's not like it... It's not like they aren't prepared for that possibility. Right.
0: I think it was just maybe later, because I remember...
2: I think that was the off week for Agent Carter. Like, that was the... Right. Yeah. So it, it, but, but they probably still have something in place where they're like, okay, somewhere in this, you know, somewhere in agent during this time, it could drop. Sure. So yeah, hopefully I'm, I'm sure they've, you know, got some wiggle room and how they can work with that. So sure. Sure.
1: Yeah. The, uh, the 2015 state of the union was on January 20th and 2016 is on the 12th.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So it's a little earlier. Yeah, and, and it makes sense. You don't want to have Agent Carter on and then off, you know, immediately off the next.
2: Week yeah, and then right. You
1: don't up. you don't want to do your two hour premiere and then nothing. Nothing. <laughs> for
2: a week. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense.
0: So interesting. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm sure. I'm yeah, sure. I'm sure
2: they'll announce it soon. Something yeah. official with shield.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh but, yeah, I mean, everything's got to be timed right because you don't want to give something away for uh, for Civil War before it happens in the movie. I mean, they, they time right. it pretty tight, but...
1: Well, I think, I think with Season 1, I think uh, they had maybe like a week built in just in case, and then they wound up not needing it. So I know in... Uh, or I said Civil War. I meant Winter Soldier. Yeah. So for Season 1, I think that before the... Uh, Winter Soldier tie-in episode. There was a week off. Hmm. Uh, okay. I might, or or maybe before the Age of Ultron. Well, no, the Age of Ultron didn't really have a tie on tie-in, really. No, and uh, I think
2: they went back to back because because of Carter. I I don't think there was a break for Shield. Yeah, last so season. so
1: so I must be thinking of season one, but um,
2: yeah, which makes sense.
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm
0: sure I'm sure they it was
1: earlier. Stuff well in advance.
0: Yeah, I mean, Winter Soldier was April. So yeah, it was it was a full month earlier. So, you know, they had you know th- th- these two will be in both in May. So they're they're a little you know more traditional summer releases. So
2: yeah, and I I sort of have a feeling that I, I think it'll have more impact than Ultron did, but I I I highly doubt that it'll have as much of an impact as um, Winter Soldier did.
1: Yeah, right? I, I, I just,
2: agree. That was just such a yeah. Game changer for the whole like premise of S.H.I.E.L.D. So. Right.
1: Cause it was so directly dealing with S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization. And. Yeah. And I don't, I now, and that almost, because S.H.I.E.L.D. got taken down in the movies, it almost makes uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. a non issue in the movies going forward. So I, I kind of find it unlikely. Maybe Infinity War, since that might have global consequences, but I right. I, I kinda of find it unlikely that any of the movies going forward will be anywhere near as connected to Agents of Shield as uh as Winter Soldier was.
2: Yeah, I totally totally agree. Yeah, I I agree. I think, you know, hopefully Infinity War is the place where they finally are like, Okay, we need to we need to connect to this TV show. We can't just have this like global thing happening and just the T V characters just react separately. I'm hoping that'll be the time when they're finally like, we gotta, we gotta introduce you know some of these characters back in. We have to let people know that Coulson's alive because he's not exactly hiding that fact on the TV show. Yeah. So it's sort of, uh, you know, there's only so much suspension and disbelief we can have that all these people are running in the same circles, doing the same things, and and yet nobody in the movies knows that this guy who they were all friends with and got killed is still alive. So. Hopefully they don't uh, string that along too too much and I feel like Infinity War if they don't if it doesn't connect then then we may never see the TV characters show up in a movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, cool. Um so that's that's it for news, uh but I guess before we get into the main event for tonight, I should remind everybody that this is it's all connected. Episode 78 and I'm Russ and Doug and Matthew are back. So, uh, we will get into what we came here to talk about originally, which is Jessica Jones. We've been, uh, it's been out now for a little while and we've been, uh, holding back to, you know, partially, I think to make sure everybody's had a chance to binge watch it and, uh, and kind of gather our thoughts. So, Uh, It's a a little tough to cover these Netflix shows like, you know, we kind of did with Daredevil because it's hard to talk about plot points early when you know how they resolve because you've watched all 13 episodes in a, you know, in a 16 hour span or whatever. So I think what we're going to try and do is just kind of break this out into like a kind of, you know, beginning, middle and end uh, kind of discussion where we'll kind of split the season up in three uh, in three parts ish. And Jessica Jones is a little tighter, you know, uh, Daredevil was a little more spread out because it wasn't all, you know, Matt Murdock's Daredevil wasn't in every scene or 90% of the scenes with Jessica Jones. She's pretty much in all of it. I mean, there are, there are a few scenes here and there where she's not, her character isn't, isn't on screen, but she's in a good bit of it. So it, it, it seems like it flowed a little more tightly. So um, so I think that that's kind of how we'll approach it. Now, it will be full spoiler. So even though we may only be talking about the first third or the first few episodes of, of the season of the show, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, where the, probably where these characters end up. And, you know, when when we talk about plot points and turns and twists, uh, we'll probably talk about how they're resolved uh, just because it, it it's kind of hard to to pretend that you don't know how it ends when you know how it ends. So. Uh so be prepared so if you're not quite ready for uh to hear about that you might want to uh come back to us after you've had a chance to finish it. So just kind of starting off with overall impressions. What did you would you guys think of what you guys think of the show? Loved it. <laughs> um uh, I I thought
1: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was quite possibly and you know, I want to give it a little time before uh, cementing this opinion since it's so fresh in my mind, but it, it's certainly close to being my favorite thing that Marvel Studios has ever done.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, same opinion that I would have to, you know, wait a while and digest it and, and see it again, but um, it's definitely, I, I think it's the best, it's certainly the best on the TV side. That Marvel's done, and it's it's probably gonna rank up there with one of my all time favorite t v shows because um you know again, I'd have to watch it again, but there was just very few faults I found with it, and even those were just occasional little plot bits here and there i mean the the overall just performance and direction and and just everything from the creative side was just uh, just some of the best stuff I've ever seen on t v
0: yeah, I mean I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't I may not quite be uh, where you guys are as far as it it's rank uh in what I've seen. I I did overall enjoy Daredevil more uh just because I I tend to to lean heavier on the action uh side of things and just the the choreography and there are a couple episodes in that in Daredevil I felt that like from a uh from a filmic perspective from a from a composition perspective were uh, you know, were better. You know, were the way they were shot and directed and edited and, th- and things like that. I thought, I thought were a little, uh, a little pushing the envelope than what we've seen. Um, but, but I will say, I liked this a lot more than I thought I would. I, I was skeptical about Kristen Ritter playing Jessica Jones. Um, I wasn't. I had no reservation about David Tennant. Um, but I didn't know if she'd have the chops to kind of play the kind of character. From you know that I knew from the comics, and I was completely surprised i mean I could not have been more wrong uh at at all I mean I was like i said i was I was kind of taken taken aback I thought mike Coulter's Luke Cage was one of the definite highlights of the show. It has me so excited for, for Luke Cage. I I was, I was not expecting, I was not expecting him. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any reason to think he wouldn't be good in the role. I just, I just hadn't seen enough of his work to form an opinion. Um, But, uh, you know, every time he was on screen to me, it was, he was just fantastic. Um, And uh, I I think Kilgrave is probably, if not, the best Marvel. I think like he's very like Loki may, I think Hiddleston's Loki is probably the best Marvel villain just because, just because of the way they portrayed him. And he's, you know, he's had a lot of time, but, but I think Kilgrave is a very close second. Uh, I I like the Kilgrave character and tennis portrayal way better than I did the, um, D'Onofrio's Wilson Fisk. Uh, you know, we talked about it when we covered the daredevil stuff. I wasn't, I, I wasn't, the craziest about, uh, the way that, that, uh, Fisk was portrayed in Daredevil. I thought it was just a little off and I think Kilgrave was absolutely perfect. I mean, the only way they could have made him more like the comic characters, if they literally tinted his, uh, his skin purple, uh, permanently, uh, and, and that would just be kind of silly. So, uh, so yeah, I, I don't ding it for that in the, in the, in the, in the slightest, but, uh, but it was good. It was it was a you know, I was also surprised that it was as much about Kilgrave as it was. I mean, we saw even even in in Daredevil, there were a lot more pieces that were kind of floating in the air. You know, there you know, there was, you know, the, the stuff with um, with stick and then, you know, the the other uh, criminal elements that were all operating within Hell's Kitchen you know, so it wasn't all just Wilson fit. I mean, he was kind of the obviously the kingpin, the ringleader of it all. But this was pretty much like a a Kilgrave and and Jessica story. I mean, that you know there there a few little side bits here, but very you know more I think to set up either a season two or maybe what's to come down the road. But very little, uh, you, you know, very little other than the conflict of those two characters.
1: Yeah, um, which that. I mean, like you said, Daredevil had a lot more going on, um, but the pattern in the Netflix show seems to be to really give a lot of time to fleshing out the villain. Um, I was a fan of Fisk. I like Kilgrave better, but I did like Vincent D'Onofrio's portrayal of of Wilson Fisk. Um, And I especially liked how he got almost a full episode just devoted to him.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. and, And we didn't so much get that with Kilgrave but his presence was felt really just as strongly as Jessica's in every single episode
2: yeah yeah absolutely yeah I think um I I mean I I enjoyed D'Onofrio as Fisk there there was some I had some problems with just not the character choices but just some of the way he performed and sort of like red lines but but other than that I mean I think I, I think I think Kilgrave seems much more like fully formed and, and comes off, you know, so far as a better villain. But I think, you know, obviously because of how things ended with him versus how things ended with Kingpin, I think, you know, with Fisk, it's more of a slow burn thing. So it's it's maybe a little like not quite there yet because, you know, his character's not quite there yet. Like we're going to see him, I would imagine, over, you know, multiple seasons if they get their wish develop just like daredevil's developing where it is I think they wanted us to see you when we meet him, he's fully formed. He's fully, you know, he's the version, you know, for the most part, he's, you know, he's the uh, optimal version of, of himself as a villain. And then, you know, we get a little bit of backstory, but I think maybe that led, uh, David Tennant like commit to it a little more. Uh, whereas D'Onofrio had to, sort of like create the early stages of this character while also showing like what he was going to become. So, but yeah. I, I mean, that being said, I, I agree that I think, um, you know, Kilgrave is definitely, you know, in my mind sort of like tied up with, with Loki in terms of just most, uh, sort of like fully formed and interesting villains in the MCU.
0: Yeah, know, it was good that it wasn't just a mirror, you know, we see, the, uh, you know, a lot of the criticisms of the movies are the villains are just analogs of the heroes, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they either get inside armor, uh, you know, or, you know, like even an ant man, you know, cross shrunk down, you know, they, they all seem right. to be just kind of like, even the red skull was kind of the, you know, the opposite of cap. They all yeah. seem to, to, to flow into the origins and, and uh, of their, of the heroes. and, Even Thor, I I didn't. You know, Loki wasn't quite that. um, And and I think again, Kilgrave. You know, they even with Daredevil, they tried to tie in that. You know, Fisk and um, you know, Fisk and Murdoch were kind of. They both wanted the same thing. Their motivations were, you know, the same. They wanted what was best for the city. It was just how they went about it. And with Kilgrave, we just see that they're complete polar opposites. I mean, there is no. Uh, you know thematic connection between the two of them there's no the powers aren't aren't connected in in any way shape or form i mean they're you know he is just kind of like you know pure evil and even later in the show when they try and when you think oh maybe they're going to try and redeem him by just say like he was basically the victim of child abuse. Um, yeah, and and basically kind of turn it around, and it's like, nope, didn't they?
2: <laughs> they they didn't use that as an out either. Um, yeah, they. I mean, they they set it up enough so that you. I mean, and, and like any good villain, you you know, they did this with Fisk too. But you know, you see where he comes from, and you sympathize just a little bit. But you know, ultimately, you're like, well, that that in no way excuses all the horrific things you've done. Yeah. Yeah, which is good. I mean, he still firmly lands on the side of, you know, a villain. It's not the type of character that next season you would see him like teaming up with the, you know, the hero and and things like that. It's it's like no, he's uh, even though we do sort of see that actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they sort of crammed all that into the into his arc, I guess. But uh, but you know, it was still very. You know, it was very clear the whole time, like what was going on, that he's not suddenly a good guy. You know? Right, right, right,
1: right. Even even that that you know team up that he and Jessica had um, when when they saved the the family, um, and he kind of seemed to want to make it a regular thing, and she was even considering it because she could sort of like use him, guide him, and, and stop him from doing all those things, and. You know they they toyed with that idea almost as acknowledgement to the audience of of you know what some might happen what some might think might happen or um, or what some might want to happen and then they just completely destroyed that idea as no that would that would never work in the long run
2: yeah and it, it's something similar to I mean Loki's all, sort of had that similar arc where you know the first time we see him he's a bad guy the second time he's reluctantly a good guy and and then he's back to a bad guy and and i imagine that we'll continue to see that sort of bounce back and forth with him but you know with yeah with Kilgrave, it was like you know philosophically she she has to struggle with that idea but ultimately it's you know there's no there's no good in him right but i guess that's skipping ahead a bit but uh.
0: <laughs> yeah, i mean what did you guys think of like So you watch the pilot. What did you guys think of it as a pilot, like as a first episode, as an introduction into this, into this world? Because I thought, you know, for me, I thought it was a fantastic pilot episode. Like one of the things I think sometimes series do when they make pilots is, A, they either throw too much in and give away the farm so you know everything that's going on right off the bat. Or it's so slow and they just dribble stuff out. That you really, it's like, well, I had to watch, you know, three episodes or four episodes to figure out if I liked it or not. Um, you know, I kind of look at like, like, I, I kind of felt that way for, do you guys ever see the the Netflix, the Marco Polo on Netflix? No. Uh, I, thought, I saw the first few episodes. Yeah, it was, that was kind of one of those. It was like, well, you know, I'm like two, three episodes in and I'm like, yeah, I don't really know if this is like, if I like this or not yet. Like, I'm still trying yeah. to figure it out. Um, I I thought this was just a super strong, you know, pilot. I I think for a first episode, it's, it kind of set up the whole noir aspect of it. It set up who she was, you know, it kind of gave you some hints that, you know, and teases about powers. It set up some things where you thought they were one thing and, and seemed fine. And then what was cool is that they, um, you know, they put some plot twists in later on that I thought were, were pretty clever. Um, and then it had just this killer ending. I mean, the twist at the end, you know, it, it's just one of those, you know, I think I think a good show that especially for for this medium where they want you to kind of, you know, binge watch and capture you to, to watch that next episode. Um, I, I think it was just really well done. I, I think they really, uh, you know, tried to make sure that they they put together a pilot that was going to grab people to uh, to make them want to watch more if they weren't already familiar with the source material or. You know, like most of us, are all in on the whole Marvel experience.
1: Yeah, um, I mentioned last episode. I was lucky enough to attend the New York premiere of Jessica Jones and see the first two episodes in a packed theater. Um, and the twist at the end of the pilot, which uh, you know, I guess we can talk about it since uh, we have the full spoiler alert at the, yeah, at yeah. the beginning here. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, when when. Hope took out the, ele- took out the gun as the elevator door was closing and you, we realized what was about to happen. You could just hear the entire theater like gasp and then become deadly silent. Uh, and, and that was just such a cool reaction to see, or that was such a cool experience to see so many people have such a strong reaction. And it speaks to how well the show brings brings you in and it makes you feel everything that its characters are feeling. Um, not just the fear and the, the tense moments, but also the dread of Kilgrave coming and just as, as afraid as Jessica is of Kilgrave, the audience gets that they, the audience feels that I thought that was one of the show's greatest strengths was bringing the audience in on the character's emotions and making them feel the same way.
2: Yeah, I I mean, one of the things that I was sort of like surprised by in watching it, like, you know, I knew the noir element would be there, but I I think one of the things they did really well with teasing out Kilgraves, you know, especially in that first episode, was there was a real sort of like horror element to things. Like when she's walking down the hallway to, you know, where Hope, she eventually finds Hope in the hotel room. And everything just sort of turns purple and there's the strobing lights and and there's sort of like the ghost of him around her. And yeah. then later there's that scene where she falls asleep and he like licks her face. I mean, you know, we haven't seen him yet, but immediately we understand like the threat that he poses and the hold that he has on Jessica Jones. And then the the just those elements, I mean, it just really felt like this sort of supernatural thing, which was an, an extra sort of uh, genre thematic element that I d- did not expect, but I thought it was a great way to, to build up the, the menace of, of Kilgrave, And then, so, I mean, we have that. And then right off the bat, we get a sense of who Jessica Jones is as a character with her laying out her job and then throwing the guy through the, the window of her office. So, I mean, we, we just right off the bat, get this sense of like who she is and her entire spectrum of like her personality and so that pulls you in and then, you know, by the time we get to that point where Hope's in the elevator, I mean, we've seen so much terrible stuff and spooky stuff and we've seen her like, you know, tied up in bed and, and fighting to not be taken out of there. And then, you know, Jessica, you know, talking to her, you know, basically like, you know, the, a victim of rape, you know, trying to get her to say it wasn't your fault and also trying to like, you know, convince herself and so, you know, we're sort of led to believe, like, oh, man, this is terrible. And whenever we do see him, it's going to be bad. But, like, so much bad stuff has already happened to Hope and Jessica in this episode that, like, it's great that, you know, everything's sort of, like, resolved. And then... Right. Just At least final, this episode
1: is a happy ending.
2: Right. To, you know, it's sort of, like, it, it's not a traditional happy ending because everything's still so messed up that you're, you're sort of led to believe, okay, well, this is about as happy as we can hope for. So, and then just that final shot, just, like it's just like a gut punch like oh my god like you know now you realize like how terrible you know this guy is and what he's willing to do and you know what he's willing to make other people do and and that just really like seals the terror and i mean that scene where she just turns and smiles as the door closes then shoots him i mean again that that felt straight out of a horror movie
0: yeah yeah and just that creepy when jessica gets down to the to the lobby and o- opens the door, and and the father falls out, and she looks inside the elevator, and the mother is is dead, and she's still, you know, she's run out of bullets. And she just has that crazed look on her face and looks at Jessica and says, smile. And, yeah. Because she's still just, like, entranced. And then it completely freaks her out. And then, you know, she realizes what she's, you know, uh, that Hope realizes what she's done and just freaks out. And, you know, Jessica just realizes, like, I've I've got to get out of here. I mean, that was... That was just awesome. I mean again for for an ending you just watch that and you're like, "Oh, this is the kind of show this is going to be." I was I was really not expecting the tone to be quite this dark and this adult. I wasn't expecting there to be as much uh, language, as much like kind of explicit sexual um content. Like I oh, that yeah. that totally took me by. I I kind of knew yeah. they would do that because that's kind of, you know, that was a big thing with the with the character in the in the comic. And we kind of heard bits and pieces they were going to. I didn't realize they were going to go as far as they did. And it's funny because I know people tend to criticize, you know, once Disney bought Marvel that, you know, they're going dis- <laughs> to Disneyfy everything. And, yeah. right. Oh my right. God yeah there's been some about that yeah there's been some you know with the movies oh there you know you know there have been some you know people that have said oh well you know look at tony they've you know taken him out of being you know kind of an alcoholic womanizer you know he's you know he's kind of on the straight and narrow and you know has a steady girl and all this kind of stuff and then you you look at daredevil who was like okay yeah they're they're you know this is like this is a solid pg-13 and and then you know you look at this show and it's like this would be the you know if this was a movie, it would definitely would have been R rated, like no question. I mean, even even on the show, it's 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 very, it's like PG thirteen plus. Like I, I would. Yeah,
2: they push it as far as I feel like I've ever seen. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, if I had a thirteen year old, I'd be like, nah, I don't know that this is probably good for them. Like maybe this is like TV. This is like PG fifteen maybe. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Like with
1: with Daredevil. If it was a movie, you got the sense that if they took out one or two, uh, you know, language issues and a couple of the the bloodier scenes, like the car door scene probably wouldn't have made it in.
2: Yeah, but the it, car you, door you, and like the spike going through. Right. But other than head. that, That's you probably
1: – you could have turned in a cut of a Daredevil movie that wasn't too much different and gotten a PG-13 rating. I Yeah, with Jessica Jones, you would have really needed to drastically change the entire – content of the show to get it down to anything less than an R in the movie theater.
2: Yeah. I mean the entire tone and there's just, I mean, I can't even count how many, you know, in daredevil I can, you know, I know there's like those two really bloody scenes and in Jessica Jones, I mean, I I think there was one episode that had at least three scenes equivalent to those. And, you know, in one episode, I mean, it was just, there's, there's really no way to, to excise that from, from the show, which, which was amazing. Cause I mean, you know, as much as this is obviously off in its own corner, you know, to know that Marvel and, and the MCU brain trust and, and somewhere along the chain of command, Disney is willing to, you know, go there with these characters and, and have a show like that was, was refreshing and, and it makes me feel like, okay, now I'm not worried. Like they, you know, there's, there's really no limits to what they can do as long as they find the right, you know, home for it.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I
0: think the other thing too, is one of the, back when we, um, it was on another podcast, we talked about Iron Man three. And one of the things I didn't really buy so much was the whole Tony PTSD thing. Like it just seemed I just didn't buy it and it it wasn't and I wasn't trying to, you know, make light of PTSD or anything like that. It was just like I just didn't buy his portrayal of that. Like I didn't like it didn't come across right. And and the the one thing with this show that is like very like I I completely bought it, like her portrayal of somebody that had been through what she had been through just in, in the way that Kristen Ritter pulled that off. I mean, just in her facial expressions and her, you know, physical expressions and, you know, her movements and everything else. It, 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 like, I really like through the whole series, I bought it. Like, I never kind of hit that point where I felt like, you know, it, it, it didn't come across as genuine.
1: Well, I mean, Kristen Ritter in general, just I thought did a phenomenal job with every aspect of, of Jessica Jones.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I, I mean, yeah, her, her, her portrayal was, I know we already mentioned Mike Coulter was a phenomenal Luke Cage and he certainly was but uh, yeah I don't think we've we've given enough praise to Kristen Ritter.
2: Yeah, I think you know as much as you know we yeah like we talked about Mike and we talked about David Tennant but I mean to me she was just you know justifiably the standout performer which made me very happy because you know and again like you were saying Russ how much she's actually featured in every one of these scenes. I, I was just really glad that this first female superhero outing for Marvel, you know, she never took a back seat. Like, she was always in the forefront, and she just, you know, perfectly delivered that character. I mean, I, I was talking about it with some friends, and and just saying how she was so amazing at just having this cool about her. Like, despite every, you know, she had the darkness, there was the tension, there was the self-doubt, but She also just exuded this, you know, like attitude that, you know, she just didn't give a you know, and she just had this sort of like cool demeanor and just always had something, you know, smart to say and, you know, always sort of had a plan and was great at improvising, you know, didn't take from anybody. And but, you know, that came from a real place. You know, she wasn't she wasn't cocky just for the sake of being cocky and she wasn't cocky just because she had these superpowers. She you know she had been through real hell and and she came out on the other side stronger and you know just had this sort of like bitter you know cynicism and sarcasm to her and and yeah Christian Ritter was just fantastic at portraying all of that right from the get go i mean you know that's that's asking a lot of a performer all those different sides and emotions but i i believed it every single time
1: yeah definitely
0: yeah yeah for sure and even the subtleness of it, you know, there were times where she would like somebody would be helping her with something and she would find a way to insult them, you know, or just just like that subtle sarcasm or, you know, just like, you know, she goes over to talk to the, you know, hope's roommate and the guys there with his GoPro on. And she's just like, (laughs) you know, mercy killing. And, you know, she takes the camera and throws it. And I found a a cut. Yeah. I found a cut. Yeah. Just, I just stuff like that, you know, and just the neighbors upstairs and, and, you know, Malcolm and, Um, even you know trish i mean it's it's you know these people are trying to help her and she's just so um you know she's just trying to be hard to prove that she's hard and 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 you know just just kind of pushing everybody away but but does it in a way that's just you know for the audience watching is kind of amusing
2: yeah Yeah, endlessly endlessly entertaining i mean i i just it's such a good balancing act to be able to you know care about this character so much and like feel for their pain, but also be able to, you know, laugh with them and, and then, you know, see them as like a strong protagonist, but also see their vulnerability, but never see them as like, you know, victimized. I mean, it was, I mean, it was written really well and it was acted superbly.
0: And I like the, you know, just back to the plot, you know, they kind of set it off right off the front that she's a private investigator, you know, and this is what she does. I mean, even that bit where she takes the guy, the, the, uh, the, you know, who, who he she takes pictures of his wife, you know, cheating on him and he throws she throws him through the, the door and breaks the the window and everything. I mean, that's straight out of the comics, you know, in the yeah, beginning where yeah, she, yeah, you know, she throws the guy through the through the window and. And then breaks the door. You know that was just you know it was kind of like an ongoing bit for a while, which I thought was hilarious. You know, which is every time she she'd go in and out of the apartment, you know she's having to pull the door you know close because it's off his hinges and you know just the cardboard that's duct taped up to the to the door to replace the window. Yeah. It's just you know just stuff like that. There's just like this ongoing gag just to remind you that you know she's she's just a total mess.
2: Exactly, <laughs> and those are great just little visual elements. And and later on when it's it's broken again i think then you know there's scenes where she goes in and out of the apartment and she like reaches her arms with her broken glass to like lock and unlock, unlock it. The, yeah. she just like lo- <laughs> yes. but before she leaves she locks it back up and it's yeah. just like it, it's it, it really is just this great shorthand of just showing that this character just like does not care about just mundane things like that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well you mentioned the 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 visual gag with the constantly broken door and the way she interacted with that um but that just kind of reminded me of how funny the whole season was i mean for as dark and horrifying as the show got it still found moments of levity that really really worked and i think were pretty necessary um otherwise oh, yeah. it would be it would be too depressing to binge i think but yeah, I mean Chris Ritter has always had this sort of sarcastic dry sense of humor that really shines through here and uh and and Luke Cage definitely we even got a couple sweet christmases thrown in there.
2: Yeah, I was surprised yes. he said that twice. Yes. In the
1: best possible places too. Oh my god,
2: yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh and- <laughs> Yeah, after sex and after seeing a bunch of drugs. <laughs> yeah,
2: it, it, it was just like that's. Those are the exact perfect times for that phrase to be spoken.
0: <laughs> and, and I like. I guess that the, you know we get it at the end of episode two. I wasn't even expecting that. I was half expecting, or half wondering if we were going to go through this whole uh, season without really realizing or coming to f- the forefront that he had powers. You know that he. He was special too, but I, I mean, it, it, totally made sense that, that they gave that up because it, that was their kind of bonding moment, but it was, it you know, again, we still leave that mystery. Like you don't know how, why he is the way he is. I mean, you know, we know from the comics, whether, the, right. whether or not they decide to go with that route in this who knows, uh, but you know, it's still this mystery and, and it's, it's interesting because like she didn't care, you know, that, I, I think that was, that was a huge like conscious decision, you know, that, that, other stuff that would be a big point right to talk about his origin his backstory and how he got his powers and you know what he's going to do to atone and all this other kind of stuff and she was just like wow there's somebody else out there that's damaged like i am that you know is trying to stay in the background and you know all that and we find out later that you know she's part of the reason why he is damaged uh which I thought was really cool, too, because, you know, when she's taking pictures of him with the with the woman, you think, oh, she's just, you know, uh, you know, just that's why she's she's spying on him. And th- that was kind of like the long play with with the show that I thought really paid off. Well, is, you you know, you think one thing and then, you know, six episodes later, you get something completely different. And I thought I, I was th- that was that was just really, really uh, well
2: done. Yeah. Yeah. It was great how they would just sort of like slow tease out elements, but they also weren't afraid to just, you know, actually deal with the plot point. You know, they didn't nothing got dragged out, you know, too long because I sort of thought the same thing like, oh, this this little mystery about her and Luke and this woman and the bus crash and all these things. I, I just felt like it was going to be the whole season we were waiting to see. And, and, you know, they, they teased it out, but they gave us enough that it, it wasn't frustrating. And then they, you know, they got right into it and revealed it fairly early on, which, which, but you know, it was a great job. It was a great way of teasing it out, but also not, you know, milking it for too long. And then, yeah. Yeah
1: what i liked about about the slow burn they did on a couple different um uh, plots but specifically with Reva and 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 her connection with luke but also her origin story and what the full story about what had happened with her in kilgrave
2: right right
1: they they sort of they introduced it and then they gave us just enough that it wasn't frustrating but then over the next several episodes they you know every every flashback every uh you know um, nervous breakdown that Jessica would have, we'd get an extra layer. We'd see another little bit of information that that widened the picture a little bit more. Uh, and and you know, we finally it, it might have been eight or nine episodes before we got the full um the full story about Jessica's origin or the full story about what happened with Riva. but we got enough early on that that wasn't something that was frustrating.
2: yeah. And, and and that's great. I mean, there, there's so many shows that, you know, and even S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, took a couple of mysteries and dragged them out a while. And, you know, granted it's it's got a lot more episodes to fill, but but I really liked how like you said, when we see a flashback for a second time, it's not just the same thing again. I mean, they, they expanded it each time and, and gave you more context as, you know, which sort of reflected like her opening up over the course of the show. You know, she opened up a little more to people around her and you know, let these people back into her life or new people into her life. And, you know, I, I was glad that she wasn't just constantly like closed off and keeping everything secret and, you know, it was enough that we believed that that was the person she was, but, you know, we also saw her like grow and open up. And then as a result, we learn more about everything and, you know, the show sort of mimics her progression.
0: Yeah. We never get like a full origin like we get little bits and pieces we i mean we in general we know what happened but not like specifically um yeah you know, i feel we, like
2: that's going to be like some season two
0: yeah yeah which is fine i mean because it wasn't really and, and it kind of makes sense because she's you know guarded and keeps to her you know tries to keep to herself and wants to stay out of the public eye and you know, and so to to not, it's almost like, okay, we're not, sh- you know, she's not sharing with the audience either. So,
2: yeah, it was, and it's sort of refreshing. I mean, it's, it's definitely a different take on an origin story. I mean, we meet her and Luke and they both, you know, they both have their powers and, you know, you know, when they tell each other how they got them, they just say car accident experiment. And I love that, you know, they didn't, it's like you said, they didn't, they didn't ask questions. They didn't go into it. And, you know, if that was always the case, that would be frustrating. But, you know, because we've seen so many superhero origins and things explored, it was, it was sort of a nice change of pace and reflected, you know, their personalities, especially Jessica's that, you know, they didn't really get into it. Like they had these powers and that was it moving on, you know, that was in the past and they weren't dwelling on the past.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I I love that little conversation when like in front of the food truck between Jessica and Luke, uh, where accident experiment, that was enough of the origin story for, yeah. for fans. Cause yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the great benefits of existing in the MCU um, where this sort of thing, I mean, it's still not normal, but it's not unprecedented. It doesn't, we don't need an origin story for every character because we're used to that.
2: Yeah, we, we have tons of examples of both accidents and experiments that have led to, you know, people having powers, and we've seen those played out. So, yeah, the audience doesn't, that suspension of disbelief is already in place. Like, all they have to do is say that, and, you know, the audience can kind of piece the rest of it together in their mind and and figure what happened, you know. I mean, we get it. He's They're both super strong. She got in some sort of, you know, accident. Someone experimented on him. You know, we're... The audience who aren't even comic readers are familiar enough with that sort of concept and trope that they don't have to like pick it apart, which is kind of good because if they did, it would, you know, maybe sound a little more like ludicrous and and sort of clash a little with the tone, especially that early in the the show. Whereas season two, like, they've got a little more room to get a little more fantastical with it and you know maybe delve into you know, how these people got their powers, which it looks like is, you know, some sort of like evil organization.
0: Yeah. And it kind of fits fits with the show, too. Right. I mean, she makes a point of saying you people don't want to know. Like when she goes to serve papers on, you know, for, for Jerry Hogarth on that on that guy that was, you know, she was suing, you know, she lifts the car up and he's like, oh, I'm going to sue you and tell everybody about you. And, you know, everybody's going to know you have powers and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, I'm going to melt you with my laser eyes. And <laughs> you know, he freaks out. And she's like, you know why? You, you know, because nobody cares. Like nobody want. people don't want to know. Like, if you, yeah, you know, she, she's like, they're more li- likely to believe, you know, anything than to believe I just lifted this car. And, and it's like, you're right. I mean, people tend to, uh, you know. You know, want you disbelieve that things are just, you know, oh, it's urban myth or urban legend or, or whatever you want to call it. And even in this world, and it, it's kind of funny because in this world, you, you know, everybody knows these people exist. So that was that was kind of an interesting take.
1: Yeah. You know, that's yeah. I've always kind of joked that that's one of the, the the aspects that I'm sure exists in the MCU that I'd love to see um, just how there are like 9-11 conspiracy theorists. I'm sure that there are you know that there are those in new york who believe that that shield or the stark family orchestrated the the new york incident and, sure. and right. aliens yeah. didn't actually invade and thor is a government plant or something like yeah. I'm, I'm i'm sure that there there's all sorts of fun things like that that if they chose to the marvel universe could really play with
2: yeah, I, I'm hoping we'll see more of those corners, especially obviously in the TV shows, because, you know, and that's why I'm really excited about Damage Control, because I feel like we're we're at a period where we not only have so many superhero things, but we've had so many good, critically acclaimed, you know, dramatic ones that now we're at the point where we can start having more like comedy and postmodernism and stuff that that, that deals with that world. And and, you know, whether it's even just a character within a show like Jessica Jones, you know, a side character is like a a conspiracy nut that she has to deal with in one episode or something. I mean it it gives us a chance to to just see how the rest of the world's reacting and and we're much more likely to see that in these street level T V shows than even something like Shield, which, you know, sort of promised that it was gonna be about that but has moved on to be about more fantastical things. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean
0: Yeah. What did you guys think about uh, Trish Walker? um
1: i I really liked the character. I loved the relationship that she and Jessica had together. Um, and I bought that she was kind of a badass in her own right as well.
2: yeah i I did too i I thought I thought she did a good job of playing all her her various roles, you know, former child star, talk radio host, friend. And and sort of the person who's actually was pushing Jessica to be a hero and who you know, on her own feels sort of like helpless because of what she's been through and because of what Jessica's been through and uses that as motivation to like start training and stuff. But I, I liked that, you know, even though we saw her fight a little bit, we also she's not fully formed. We didn't see her, you know, really like, you know, Black Widow, a bunch of people. I mean, yeah, you know, it it was good to see that she's training and she's trying to be better, but. She could still be out of her depths, which is great because, I mean, to be honest, I I was surprised when they showed her training so early on. I was like, I, I could almost assume, and, and the same thing with Will, I was almost expecting them to just sort of be name-only comic references. And maybe someday in future seasons, we'd see them become their comic book characters. But, I mean, right. we got a full-blown, pretty much, you know, I mean, Will was Nuke. I mean... Pretty yeah. much full blown, minus the yeah. face paint. Yeah, Min- and, um, minus the
1: face tattoo. He was he was pretty yeah. much.
2: And then you know with Trish it was you know a sort of a mini origin. Like we got enough about her where we believed it, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't feel it would be ridiculous to see her don a costume in season two or three.
0: Yeah, and it was it was interesting too with her because you know we see she has the bruises, then we see the training. And you assume like, oh, she was mugged or she was, you know, the victim of some sort of violence or, you know, or something like that. And then, again, I think it was another example of a good twist. We find out, no, she, she was bullied by her mother. Like her mother abused her, bullied her, used her. And, you know, she just, you know, a switch went off in her at some point that or at least the way they portray it that she was like i'm not going to be this person anymore i am going to train myself and i'm going to i'm going to have a safe place for me i mean she builds a panic room basically in her in her you know luxury apartment and everything and and is learning how how to take care of herself and and we even see later on you know she you know she she you know, takes the guy down and she's like, no, I heard the click. I would have been dead. Let's do it again. And she keeps doing it and she gets better and better and better at it. But then when it's time for like the real deal and they kind of go through that kidnap caper, she gets, you know, schooled almost immediately. Like she, I mean, she realizes that even though she's been doing all this training and working out and all this other stuff that she's, she's nowhere near as ready as she thought she would be. Um, And, and it was kind of like a sobering moment for her, you know, where she realizes you know, how difficult it is and, you know, as much as she was pushing Jessica to be the hero and to do it, she realizes that, you know, even, e- even if you train yourself and dedicate yourself to it, it's not something you could just do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great way of, of, of writing that, you know, she wasn't instantly like, oh, she's training so she can do this. I mean, yeah. it, again, it kept her realistic, Uh, you know, it reminded me of the the hallway fight scene in Daredevil where, you know. Yeah, he takes out all these guys, but we also see him get, you know, beat to hell. You yeah. know, it, it just felt a lot more real realistic, um, which helps sell, you know, some of the more fantastical elements so that, you know, if she ever does put on a costume, it's it's believable. Like we've seen her, you know, get knocked down and get back up again.
0: Yeah. I, I think the the actress Rachel Taylor. I I think she really grew into that character. Like when it, in the beginning, in the first few episodes, she seemed a little stiff, um, you know, like not quite comfortable with it. And I think as the season wore on, and she was you know getting used to to the role, I think I think her character improves over the thirteen episodes rather than you know kind of the other way around. So that that was encouraging as well. But uh,
1: yeah, that's kind of how I felt about Foggy in uh, Daredevil. Yeah, yeah. First couple yeah. of, first couple episodes I found him a little bit awkward, maybe not quite the com- comic relief that he was aiming for, but by the end, I really,
2: really enjoyed him. Yeah, that's how I felt about Karen and Daredevil, actually. Yeah, I think it's yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just I I mean, either way, it's what we're saying is good is that all you know, regardless of what we felt, all these characters we thought improved as it went on. So
0: Yeah, and then, definitely. And I love that, that they kind good. of embraced her. True comic origins as like this romance comic character. I mean, even yeah, yeah. even we get that little snippet. I can't remember which episode it is four or five or something like that. Um, maybe it's three when when they're in the studio. Uh, when she when when Jessica goes to to her uh, radio station and does it, they have the comic on the table or something, and it's the you know Patsy Walker, and it's a mirror of of the actual you know go you, you know golden age, you know, romance comic, uh, you know, Patsy Walker in the show, she was like in a, a TV child star, you know, kind of like, yeah. almost like a, like a Disney channel, like, you know, one of those Dep- like, uh, Hannah yeah, Montana definitely. or something like that. Right. Um, you know, in, in, in the romance comics, she was like an older, you know, person, but, but even the, when you, you, I've seen, uh, screenshots online where you put, put those two comics together and, and they thematically are like the same, just, uh, just the different likenesses so i thought that was kind of cool um and then she goes by you know Tr- you know trish walker uh and, you know because in the in the comic she's the character hellcat which I, you know whether we get that or not who knows but I, they're are definitely a lot of setup where if they if they like we mentioned if they decide to go down that road uh, you know there's they're they're setting some precedent for it yeah
2: yeah i i mean i One of the one of the things I was sort of blown away by is this show. I never expected to be as like comic booky and superhero as it was. I mean, I you know in all the interviews they were talking about her powers and how it's not essential to her and it's this thing she has, but it doesn't define her. And so I'm you know I was sort of expecting them to just downplay it a lot. They weren't doing flying. They were having her just jump really high, which you know is good. It, It would just it just would have looked goofy to like see her flying around. But, but I was just amazed by not only how much she uses her powers. I mean, they, you know, she uses it a bunch multiple times every episode, but like we were saying earlier, we saw Luke cage full blown using his powers multiple times. Kilgrave has superpowers. We see Trish training to, you know, be a vigilante nuke has, you know, super soldier pills. I mean, more than Daredevil, I feel like even more than Shield early on. I mean, this show that was supposed to be this sort of gritty noir detective thing had a lot of full blown superheroes and supervillains and comic book characters, like, you know, looking pretty similar to their comic counterpart and and that really took me by surprise. Very pleasant yeah. know, surprise.
0: And you know, Daredevil's powers are a lot more passive than they are active. You know, it's a lot of like right, listening, hearing, touching, smelling, you know, that kind of thing. So it, it's it's a lot more subtle. I mean, the biggest thing I guess we had is kind of like, you know, stick in, in some of the, the, you know, in that episode, you know. Exactly. Stick that, episode. Was,
2: that was the one that felt the most, yeah. you know, sort of like fantastical. Yeah, yeah. And I think like season two of Daredevil with Elektra and Punisher, I mean, to me, that shaping up to just those announcements is like, okay, this is going to look like, you know, there's gonna be some fantastical larger than life comic booky stuff, but I was just surprised that Jessica Jones went there season one. She
0: she breaks a lot of locks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She is
1: she's not a friend to doors in general. Doors and locks,
0: yeah. (laughs) Padlocks and, and things like that. Which is, I mean, that's what you do, right? I mean, if you had super strength that you come across, I mean, you just rip the padlock off. Right. I yeah, mean we, of course. She,
2: she's using it in real life. I mean, you, I think about that sort of thing all the time. Like, if you had superpowers, which things would you have? And, you know, some of them would be so, you know, shooting laser beams out of your eyes or, and things like that. Would It's like, well, how many times are you going to use that? So it's like, you know, that's what you would do if you had super strength. You know, you're not going to be like fighting supervillains and like throwing cars around and stuff. You're just going to use it to, you know, break into places and
0: give you an edge. Yeah. Yeah,
2: exactly. Especially if you're, you know, a private eye who doesn't give a shit, you're going to use it to, you know, for some B and E. Yeah.
0: And I thought it was funny too, that whole, the whole bit in the hospital where she goes to try and, you know, she's kind of on the trail to find out, okay, Kilgrave is alive. I need to find out, you know, is he injured? Is he full strength? Where is he in the city? Where, you know, what's going on? And I, I think, you know, episode two does a really good job of, you know, the, the Jessica as the as the PI, as the sleuth, as, you know, as, you know, being able to get information, you know, by you, you know, part of it is almost like she, you know, kind of fletches her way into things, you know, pretends to be people and and just does a really good job of being charismatic and pulling it off and um and and uh, you know just kind of you know Google searching and and things like that. But you know she goes in the hospital and she she breaks in the locker and and find and, and, you know finds the badge and then you know she she looks at this you know looks at the locker and she's she's like oh god. And you're like what's going on? And the next thing you know she's wearing these bright pink with hearts on it you know scrubs, which is like so anti what her <laughs> what her character is. I thought it was hilarious. And then you know she tells the other the other nurse when she's trying to access the computer, you know, that uh, Dr. Carter uh, in oncology, and I was like, is she dropping an ER reference right there? Like, I, I And then, uh, you know, she, she asked her what hospital she's from, and she sees Seattle Grace, and I'm like, wow, Grace Anatomy, too. <laughs> it's just so funny that she, she you know, it, it's, it, it just kind of goes with that thing where, you know, if you, if you ball-faced lie to somebody, and don't even pretend to if you, as long as you play it off, right. People will just like they People don't pay attention. Like they'll just go with it. Um, if you're convincing enough. And, and that's kind of, you know, who she is.
2: Yeah. It was convincing enough that it was like, okay, you know, that could be real. But then, you know, it, it wasn't like a lot of TV shows where she would just be flawless at it. You know, there was, yeah, there was holes in it and she was just using pop culture references. And it was, a, it was a nice balance of like, showing her skill, but also showing, you know, sort of her limits and, and finding like humor in the, in the moment.
0: And I, I like that we started to see too, the, the depth of what Kilgrave has done. You know, we find that, you know, the guy that was in the bus accident, you know, it turns out that, you know, he, uh, you know, his kidneys, you know, Kilgrave's kidneys were damaged. So he, he basically gets the doctor, that you know was in there, it, you know, to to do a kidney transplant, and then you know dumps off the the poor bus driver, and then he you know uses his powers. He, he I guess he felt bad enough about it. He gives him a you know dialysis machine that he's hooked up to, and you know just all this you know. And we, we obviously after the next episode, it, it expands even further that there's more people that are influenced by by Kilgrave. But I, I like the fact that we're starting to see. Um, that she's, you know, she's piecing all this stuff together and she's, she's trying to, to go about this the right, the right way. I mean, at this point she needs to prove hope is innocent. She knows hope is innocent. She, she obviously has a, um, you know, has, has a connection with hope because the same thing was done to her and, you know, is just on this mission to, to, you know, to not run away, but, but to, to make it right. Um, and then, and then, like I said, after the radio thing, it's, you know, all these people start coming forward and, and it starts to kind of to fill in, you know, pull to pull together for her. Um, I, I, I like that aspect of, of all this. Again, I, I like, I, I think towards the end that if there's any slight criticism I have is that there's less of Jessica Jones as the detective Uh, that we see in the beginning, but, but given how things escalated, it almost kind of had to be that way. So,
1: yeah, I think that there's a pretty clear delineation between the first five episodes and then episodes seven through 13, um, and six kind of serves as a transition episode where, um, the second half of the season definitely is more about her and Kilgrave in a direct conflict. Yeah, and that yeah. that sort of gets into a more superhero-y vibe because um, it's it's very hero versus villain face-to-face type stuff. But the first half, I thought, was much more of a detective type. She, she's not trying to fight him or kill him or capture him. She's just trying to figure out where he is and what he's doing and, you know, if he's back for sure. And once she knows that he is back, you know, to what extent and what his plans are and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, we saw uh, one of the one of the actors I I was happy to see. And I I don't know why I guess maybe I knew and I forgot or I didn't didn't pay much attention to it. But uh, Clark Peters was was in the show as Detective Oscar Clemens. And uh, it was like Clark Peters playing Lester Freeman (laughs) all over again. I mean, here he is, uh, you know, (laughs) homicide detective in a in a gritty show like he was on The Wire. Have you guys seen The Wire? Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I um, have
2: not.
0: <laughs> you know, I
1: actually I I liked Clemens, but I was a little disappointed in the way the show handled his character. Me I too. thought he was a little a little wasted to get such a great actor yeah. who's known well known yeah. for playing a, a role really similar to this and then to just kind of use him quickly and then throw him away.
0: It was almost like, you know, what they did with Ben Yurick, you know, it's like they yeah, bring I his would... character <laughs> character in and it's like man he's 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 killing it and you know good solid actor and it, it, at least with Yurik, it was a character I really wanted I really thought at the beginning of of Daredevil that Yurik was going to be the through character um for all these shows I really yeah. thought Yurik was going to be that guy and when they killed him off I mean the the one real criticism I have about Daredevil is is them getting rid of Ben Yurik. cuz I really I really think that was a missed opportunity, and then kind of the same thing here with Clemens. Um, uh, you, you know, again, I, I Clark, I, I love Lester Freeman from The Wire. I mean, I think I think the way Clark Peters played Lester Freeman in The Wire, um, I mean, in a show of of ungodly strong performances, his was definitely towards the top. And uh, and you know, to kind of have him appear and you know in the beginning and then appear later and then just you know just get shot you know the way he does by by uh, Simpson, I was just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. You can't yeah, do this to Lester.
2: Yeah, I, I just as soon as that happened, I just turned to my wife and I was like, "Well, don't be an old black guy in a Marvel Netflix show. <laughs> yeah, you're really. just Ugh. gonna get shot in the head." Ugh. And yeah, makes it me was, nervous uh, for
1: Pops and Luke Cage. Right. Yeah. It's
2: just like, oh, please don't let this be a trend. <laughs> like, let this just be a ridiculous coincidence. But I mean, obviously, I mean, yeah, with with Yurik, it felt much more egregious because they had built him up as such a strong character and. And he, you know, felt like one of those characters that really could have a lot of, you know, depth and, you know, has this comic history and stuff. But, uh, yeah, it was a similar thing with him where it just sort of felt like he was there just to sort of fill like a function of, like, the cop, yeah. you know, which was sort of Will at first. But then they sort of abandoned that. And it seemed like he was never a cop anymore. I, it was a little yeah, weird wasn't, Yeah, was really I wasn't like, a big fan a of Will. Either. It was a yeah, little I, clunky. He's definitely one of the weaker parts. I, I didn't mind him as much, but I, I, you know, a lot of other, my wife and a lot of other people I've talked to, they, they just did not like him. But it, it was weird how he's like, he's a cop, and then it seems like maybe he'll be an inside cop on their team, but then he never seemed to do any police-related things afterwards. He all of a sudden just became like an ex-military guy for the rest of the of the season after he was controlled the first time, instead of just sort of being like a beat cop or whatever. Yeah, so and it was, it was a little weird
0: a little too maniacal. Like it was a little too over the top. Maybe I think, I think he could have used some subtlety in his character.
2: Um, Yeah. It could have been like a season two sort of thing where he sort of gets involved with Trish a little bit and, you know, he's, he's helping him out, but you know, we sort of see him go full on, you know, nuke later on instead of so quickly like we did.
0: Yeah, I yeah I didn't think it was necessary for him. I I and then again I I when they first started I kind of thought the same way. I thought okay they're gonna build this up and then that's gonna be a key component of of season two. And and then when he just co- totally went off the rails I was like well that it it just and again I don't know if it's a if it's an artifact of binge watching you know where you kind of you don't get the benefit of kind of seeing it play out a little, a little more evenly like you would if this was a weekly drama. Um, But knowing that your audience is typically, you know, and the people that watch things on this are typically binge watchers. I think that has to, that has to maybe temper and maybe moving forward. It's just something that, that writers will have to adjust to, you know, you know, writers have to adjust to commercial breaks and things like that with the Netflix, they get away from that and they can tell the narrative and whatever the length and, and, you know, make scenes as long as they want, you know, maybe they just need to understand that, you know, people binge watch this stuff and, and it's, it's a little more glaring when characters kind of go from one extreme to the other over, over a short period of time.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely. But I thought it was cool. I mean, I, I, I didn't quite get what they were getting at with him, you know, when they brought the doctor in and he was like, you know, doing all the stuff. But then when they went through the red, the white and the blue pill, I was like, oh, that's pretty clever. You know, that's that's pretty clever. Um, I guess if you don't want to give him a, a American flag uh, tattoo painted on it, you know, on his face, that which would be kind of ridiculous. Uh, you know, that's a cool, uh, you know, that, that that's a cool way to kind of sneak it in.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, I think that's. I'm I'm not super familiar with him from the comics, but I think that's a component of of him in the comics that he has these.
1: Yeah, the the pills they the, are
2: the different colored pills. But but I mean, yeah, it's just a good shorthand for like what's going on with him.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, the other I you know early on the one of the big revelations we get is Jessica kind of figures out in talking to the doctor that. Uh, that that anesthetic drugs have are are kind of the 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 Rosetta Stone for her to to get at Kilgrave. Like that's what
2: will it's his kryptonite. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: that's what'll put him out. And you know, because she even says, "Well, he sleeps," and the doctors like, "Well, you know that that affects a different part of the brain." You know, when he totally goes under, which I thought was a really cool. I I really like that. You know that thing, because then it became a whole other subplot. It's like, okay, now how does she get this stuff? And right. you know, she tries to go the one way, and you know, I thought she was going to be able to get it from the doctor. You know, it's just it was it was really cool how um you know she you know she was going to have to she's going to have to break in and steal them. Is she gonna you know what you know how's she going to make this work? Um, and I thought that was handled well. I I think this show the the one thing, and it happens a little later on. It it can get to the point where it's going to become cliched and and they don't go that route and they find another way to basically you know when Kilgrave got out it was like you think it's going to happen one way and it happens it a, happens a different way and same thing you know when she goes to you know jerry's soon-to-be ex-wife to get the medicine you know it just it doesn't pan out that way uh you yeah know, like you think it will uh so i thought that was cool um and then and then seeing luke like the way luke uh, Proved to Jessica that he had the steel skin. I thought was pretty cool. I mean, he takes a, yeah. you know, a, oh yeah, I thought that was circular great. saw, and <laughs> puts it to his his abdomen and like sparks fly and stuff, which I thought was cool because, you know, they always say he has steel skin in the comics and stuff, but to really, you know, put this this piece of metal up to his skin and it literally spark his skin, I thought was uh, was pretty cool. I mean, they they took it pretty literal, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was great. And to really, and, and they kind of tested the limits of Luke's powers in the show more than they did of Jessica's Yeah, yeah. um, where we got to see, you know, he can survive an explosion. No problem. A guy stabbing him or, or a saw, not a problem at all. Jessica shooting him point blank in the head with a shotgun. That's a little bit more of an issue.
2: Right, yeah, that'll kind of like, rattle him up a little bit. It doesn't break the skin, but I like how they talked about it. it's like, well, everything inside the skin is still normal. So all right, that right. all that blunt force trauma was still right up under his skull. So yeah, yeah, it, it's a good way of making him so that he's not, you know, Superman. He's not invincible. Right, right.
0: All right. Um, well, I think that that's a good start uh, for Jessica Jones. I mean, we kind of covered covered the basics for the beginning. I think. So we'll we'll try and record uh, later this week uh, on the next episode, Agents of Shield, and maybe we'll just kind of move the plot along with Jessica Jones and kind of talk about that middle section. There's a there's a lot more to talk about Kilgrave and his, you know, their kind of plot to kidnap him and figure out how you know what's going on with that. So that'll be that'll be kind of good to talk about and um, bring Malcolm kind of into the equation, uh, which I, I'll have quite a bit to say about about Malcolm. Yeah, yeah me too. Totally. And then the crazy, the crazy upstairs uh brother sister duo, uh, we'll get to them as well because there's there's a lot of good stuff, especially in the beginning uh with those two. So yeah. All right. Uh well guys, thanks for, for hopping on. Sorry, uh we're a little delayed with getting the Jessica Jones out, but I think uh getting the Captain America trailer and being able to talk about that was was a worthwhile uh wait for that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll check you out next week. Uh, so in the meantime, head over to mcuexchange.com where you can see not only find the podcast, but all of Doug and Matthew's great work that they do over there for MCU exchange, as well as the work that everybody else does uh, on the website and, and just the articles and, and the news and, and the uh, and the features they've got up there. So there's there's some great stuff. Uh, head on over to Facebook, facebook.com slash MCU podcast, uh, and check out our show. You can follow the show on Twitter at MCU underscore podcast, uh, and you can send us an email at itsallconnected at com. So until next time, this is Russ, Matthew, and Doug, and you've been listening to It's All Connected.